What's good, y'all? My name is Dylan Green, and this is Real Notes, a space dedicated to blurring the cultural and artistic lines between rap and film. I'm here to chop it up with everyone from rappers and producers to journalists and video directors about their relationship to movies and how, if at all, film inspires their craft. My guest this week is singer, rapper, and designer Lucille Gotti. We spoke about Run Sweetheart Run, Monique, horror movies, Song of the South, Cleopatra, Elvis, singing in the choir, her musical journey from the blog era to now, the pros and cons of being ahead of the curve, her relationship to Plug and B, and the creative process behind her latest album, Tears of a Clown, produced entirely by pop star Benny. Come fuck with it. What's cracking, everybody? Welcome back. Real notes. Fucking, it's March. It's, it's, it's Women's History Month. We're out here doing all sorts of fun shit, talking to cool people, um, not be not not being weirdos. Don't 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 be a weirdo. Don't be a weirdo. <laughs> that, that, yeah, no, that yeah, like that has like fourteen thousand different like connotations and meanings, but just don't be a weirdo. Um, <laughs> my name is Dylan Cinemasai. Uh, I got a lot of names. Do a lot of shit. Um, I'm nursing a I'm nursing a uh a, a not a not enough sleep last night headache. So my oh. voice is a little deeper than usual. I guess that's fine. I'm, I'm 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 cool with it. But we got somebody very 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 special on the show today. Who uh, this is this has been a very very long time coming. Um, fantastic singer. Uh, Thank you. Fantastic singer. Got um got a really cool pink and bedazzled background. Um, y- y- y'all can't see it, but you know, every, every, everything looks cool. Got a really crazy album called, uh, Tears of a Clown coming with Pop yes. Star Benny pretty soon. Um, you got, so your name is Lucille Gotti. You go by yeah. Lucille Gotti. Okay. Cause I know you have like five other names and I meant to ask you off camera, like, should I call you Lucille Gotti? Should I call you Iman? Should I call you Six Sabbath? Like, I, I, I don't, I don't, I, I never know, but Lucille Gotti's here. <laughs> yes. So Iman is my real name. Lucille Gotti is my R&B personality. And Six is my rap shit. Gotcha. Okay. 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 Wow, man. So, yo, thank you so much. Like, like, I've already told you like eight times, but it means the world that you wanted to be here. So thank you for wanting to be here. And uh, I just appreciate you so much. Like. Oh, thank you. I appreciate you too. I'm a huge fan. I had to get me on one of these. Had to get yeah. on one of these. It's only right. <laughs> oh man, that means the world. It's 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 so weird to hear people say that, but thank you. It it really it really means a lot. Um, you know, I, you know, like you know, you send me shit pretty often, and I love everything I've heard. Um, I was just I was re-listening to the breakup, um, a couple of days ago, just like just like to prep for this and like. Yeah, it's 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 been it's been crazy to see the growth and um, Tears of a Clown is really dope. Uh, yeah, you know, like especially considering that everything like you've done and everything Benny's got going on. Like he just dropped University and University's great. So, um, but I'm happy. I'm so happy to have you here to talk about movies and like growing up and 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 dumb shit. So let's so let's do that. Let me ask you. The, let me ask you the first question. I ask everybody who comes on here. What was the uh, what was the last movie or TV show you watched that you had a strong opinion about? Okay, so yesterday I watched Run, Sweetheart, Run. How did you know. like it? It blew me, but it was also really, really good. 
Um, and I also watched Monique's movie. What is it called? The The Reading. Oh shit! I haven't I, I haven't seen the reading yet. Yeah, the reading is good as hell. That movie is so good, like top to bottom. It really like I never seen her like I never seen her perform in that light where she was like a more serious actor. It's actually a horror, mm-hmm. it's, and I love horror. Horror is my shit. I love the mm-hmm. scarier the better, and to see her kind of like put herself in that role and be like fully immersed in it was really mind blowing. It was really like, damn, are you like you just bitch? You just made me laugh. Um, so it's really cool. It was really, really cool. Kind of inspiring to see her take a leap of faith on herself. Now, Run Sweetheart Run. The girl was being chased by a werewolf. And everybody she knew was setting her up. Yeah, that <laughs> one. Uh-uh. That one is it's like a nightmare in my head right now. <laughs> um, like yeah, because I Cause, cause I won't even lie. I haven't, I haven't seen Run a Sweetheart Run yet. I've heard like a little bit about it, but like just looking at it just now, it it it, it looks tight. And I um I didn't realize the reading was a horror movie either. And Monique's definitely never done one of those. So to hear that she's like, cause yeah, I know she has her uh, she has her Netflix special coming really soon. Um, right. and, 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 and like we all know the story behind her getting you know like the whole Netflix shit, the whole Chris Rock Chappelle shit. But I'm just happy that she's uh, I'm happy people are finally putting a a, a nice a nice like dollar sign on her name because she 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 she's fucking Monique. She deserves it. Like yo, this movie she deserves everything because she really did that. I feel like um, it's always interesting to see certain actors who've taken like a certain lane for a majority of their career, um, yeah. surprise us with some different shit. And I'm not gonna lie. She, I'm sorry, this is a spoiler. She killed everybody in that bitch. She's <laughs> often like a true G. So she got my respect a lot from that role. I, I really, I recommend it. Go see it, guys, if you haven't gone go to see it. It should be on Amazon Prime. It should be other places too, but please see it. It's really good. That's hard. I was gonna, I almost want, I almost want to ask what your favorite kill was, but I don't want to, I don't want to spoil anything. If, if you don't want to, you could tell me if you want, like I'm, a, I'm gonna watch it regardless, but. Okay. So her, my favorite kill was the, the, my favorite kill was probably the first kill. And when you see it, you'll know why, but the first kill, um, was, it was just like, uh, she had a lot of, her character had like so much fun killing these people. That's what made it good. It's because she like, she made it funny. Like I can't describe it, but she made it funny. She made it, she had like, it was like she wanted to do this. And Loki, you could just see like through her character, like she probably feel like this about a whole bunch of people in her life. And she was just taking it out in these, in the acting situation. So the first one was real good. Um, all the other ones kind of broke my heart a little bit, but mm-hmm. uh, I always say, you know, an actor does their thing when they make you hate the character. Like when they make you hate what, like hate them. Yeah. I always say that they, they killed the movie when they, when they make you feel like that. And I'm not going to lie. She made me hate her. She made me hate her in the movie. I was like, bitch, why are you doing this? But like I said, she did her thing. So, um, and she was picking them off. She was, she had weapons, guns nah she was picking them off chasing them through the house locked them in the house she had that it, it was just fire it was just fire damn so is she 
So is she like a slasher? Like, is she fighting against yeah. somebody? Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. No, I, she's the fucking, like, murderer. Damn. Like, yeah. Okay, that's like, kind of hard. <laughs> yeah, she was the murderers. And uh, I think she they, she had set up a situation. She had killed her whole family, pretended like she didn't. Ooh. Yeah, and then they had a medium come, and the medium found out, like, okay, you was lying. You did this. And then she was like, oh, well, now it's time for all y'all to die now, too. <laughs> so, Damn. yeah, the the role where she killed her family was definitely the way they had it set up was really unique, too. I'll say that, too. Mm-hmm. So it Damn. was cool. All right. I know, no, right, I, Monique? I know. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah, no, like you said, she's never she's never really done nothing like that before. Cause like she's done like dramatic roles. Like, we all know her from like her like you know, um the first one that I, the first one that comes to mind is Precious. You know, like she won an Oscar for Precious, you know. Like yeah, she's, yeah. I, I went back and rewatched it. I think she might have been the best part of that movie. It like not even not even in the sense that like the rest of it was bad. It's just that's just a heavy fucking it's just it's just it's just it's just a really sad movie you know just it it's just really it pulled on me in ways that very few movies do you know it just really hurts to watch that movie <laughs> yeah that's what i said is when you feel like when you hate the character that's how you know they did their thing i hated everybody in precious like i hated everybody in precious and i remember my mom called me after she seen precious and she was like um she was like, I just want to apologize to you for um, yelling at you so much because I saw Precious and it made me feel like I talked to you there. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. You don't scream at me like that. I was like, calm down. I was like, you're right. this, like... <laughs> this is not that serious, mom. Like, you are not that lady. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, that, that, that's, that's, that's so wild, though. You know, like, it's, it's, it's just uh, like the guilt we could kind of put on ourselves. Like, it's especially like through movies. Cause like there are times where there are times where like, I'll watch a, I'll watch a movie with like a, with like a chauvinistic or like just really like fucked up and inconsiderate like man or like a male presenting person in it. And then everyone, and, and like, I'll see some shit that I feel like I do sometimes, which maybe I do, maybe I don't, I don't really know. We're all changing and trying to be better people, but like, I'll, I'll but, but like, I'll call my girlfriend and just be like, yo, like, I'm really sorry. Like, I just saw this and it made me really think about some shit that I might've done. And it's always just like, it's not that, it's always just that, like, it's not that deep. Like, please stop. Yeah, like, like yo. You don't gotta, but it, 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 it's, 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 it's just so crazy how, you know, like we, it's so, it's so crazy how we see ourselves and the and like especially compared to the way people see us and how that kind of gets reflected through movies like yeah. it's it's it weird is, you know it is crazy because i'm a cancer and i be i i get emotionally attached to movies real fast so i'd be up here crying i i really do i cried to benjamin button uh <laughs> forrest gump but i think everybody cries to forrest gump i don't care i think everybody has yeah. Um, I I'd be crying in the movie, so I get emotionally attached, so I can understand. But then at the same time, I'm like, it is oh, the Sex in the City movies I cried to. I don't know what that's about, but I be crying every time. It never fails. Uh, any movie where I feel like um, I I guess relate to the feelings that are going on, yeah, I'd be in tears. So so what is it? So what so what is it about horror you love so much? Because I love horror too. You know, I don't want I don't want that to seem like it's a it's like an interrogating kind of question. But I'm curious because like everybody I feel like everybody loves horror for different reasons. 
I love horror because I love seeing the the victim like just might sound fucking crazy, but I love seeing the victim like get they look back. Like if there's ever that doesn't sound crazy at all. Yeah, that's it. I love seeing the victim get their heart, their lick back. I'm a huge fan of like underdog shit of people like that don't ex- like that are not expected to like succeed in certain situations or like like you know I don't know keep their life. Um, and that's really why I like it because I like seeing somebody overcome something so difficult and get they like get they lick like get they lick back as somebody's trying to terrorize them, antagonize them, trying to murder them, and then they don't succeed. That's why I like horror, and I also like horror because I'm a fucking gangster. So not play. <laughs> Let's go. So it just it brings out my inner like yeah, like I'm like get the get him. You know what I'm saying? Like I'd be really excited to see some stuff. Yeah. So um yeah, that's that's really what it is. And then I also really love how intricate the plot lines are, like how intense it, the writing is. I love that about horror, like. It takes a lot of thought to sit there and come up with some some stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? I feel like uh, most people can do a rom com, or most people could do comedy. I'm not saying those things are easy either, because they're not. But right, of course, it takes a real weirdo, a real real weirdo. You know what I'm saying? A lot of nightmares for somebody to be coming up with some shit like that. So I'm a fan of that shit for sure. That's hard. I um. You saying all of that made me think about you see the uh, you see the Evil Dead remake that came out in twenty thirteen. No, I didn't. I did not. So it's so go watch it. It's crazy. Um, I will. It, it, it's a uh, um the the woman at the center of it. She was a uh, um she played Mandy Milkovich in the first season of Shameless before she got replaced. And like she's the person who gets possessed by the deadite, and she's just kind of, you know, like they, you know, like they, um, 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 they bust out everything. They get the Necronomicon. They read the shit. The deadites come and possess them, and then she just like she manages to. She's like the Ash character. She's like the Ash Williams character this time, where like she fights the deadite off and gets it out of her body, and she winds up killing a bunch of them, and like she ends the movie with the chainsaw. It, it's it's like I only seen it the one time it came out, but I loved it just because okay. of like that specifically with like the whole like i think i think the first the very first evil dead and the new and the new one because there's another one coming out in april that i'm really hyped to see but yeah. um i really loved i really love the evil dead movie specifically because of like the person who's just able to get their lick back from the fucking undead you know and and, and it's like do it in like a like a creepy like like this new one this newer one because it's almost a decade old at this point it's not new but like this one was like a Cause like everybody was like really into like torture porn back in like the early 2010s. And like, it's kind of like right. a torture porny spin on evil dead, which I, I like that type of shit if it's done well. And this one was really, it was done really well. It was made by a, a guy named uh, Fede Alvarez, who I believe did this, the Hills have eyes remake too. I might be okay. confusing him with somebody I've, else. I've seen that one. But, uh, it sounds yeah. like spit on my grave. You've seen spit on the spit on my oh, grave. Yeah. I, I, mm-hmm classic those yeah those are good too yeah okay so i'm gonna check that out because it sounds like i'm gonna like that one yeah not it, it yeah yeah i don't know if it's on a service i hope it is because um it you know before we move on i was just having a conversation i feel like i have a conversation about this all the time with like whoever i'm talking to about movies like 
I can't remember the last time I physically went on to like an Apple Music or like an iTunes and or, or not Apple Music or, or like iTunes or like Apple TV Plus or whatever and like bought a movie, you know, like and it's some oh, and, and, I, like, and like some what I just I was gonna say I just recently did that. <laughs> what was it? Okay, so it was two movies. I follow this girl on YouTube, Karina Luridas. Shout out to her. She's a scene file like you. And she reviews really weird old movies. And she kind of is like, why was this made? I don't know. So she had me intrigued about two movies that were gross as hell. But I just had to see them for myself because I just needed to know who the fuck would make this and why they would make this. I bought Pretty Babies, which they should be fucking locked up. For ever making that with Brooke Shields. And um, what was the other one we watched? We watched um, Gone with the Wind. Oh. <laughs> Which they should be was that locked up Is your first time to. seeing it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah they should. Yeah. <laughs> they should be in jail. I don't understand. Um, uh, that one, I get the fashion is insane. That's, it's gorgeous. But the, the, the what? Like... Uh, Pretty Babies, actually, I had to buy it for $3.99, so that was the last one I got, and that one, I don't recommend anybody watch it ever in their fucking life unless they want to be grossed out from the beginning to the end. Brooke Shields, I don't know why you went through that. I don't know why your parents did that to you, um, but I'm sorry. That's all I will say. That's harsh. <laughs> I gotta go. I, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go look into it because my curiosity just takes me yeah. there, but uh no, I I only say that because it sometimes feels like if a movie is not on a streaming service, it might as well not exist. And then right. I think about all these great movies that I've seen that like aren't on a streaming service, and people don't know where to find them, and they're usually buried on like a YouTube or like or or like or like the purchase on Amazon Prime or like on or on like Apple TV or some shit. And I'm just like, and I, and I'm just like, hey, I want people to like, I want people to pay money for shit and buy it and make sure that good shit gets you know, like the money to keep getting made. But, you know, like, I just wonder, like, I mean, like, I know why, because like licensing and it, it's a whole process to get shit on streaming services. But there and are just some sometimes them, where I'm like. They're just fucked up. That's why, because yeah, they don't, that's they're it. just outdated in the thought process of thinking. And I feel like if they were on streaming and people had more access to see certain of some of those movies, yeah, it would probably be cause a controversy as well like bigger controversies definitely because like you know like you'll see people put up older movies and they'll like put up the title card at the beginning it's like hey this is made in a different time a lot of this shit's not okay anymore but like enjoy it if you want you know like yeah. I, I almost want i almost want people to do stuff like that more often just to you know because like there's some stuff that's like really gross and fucked up that's like kind of important but like obviously not everything's like that it, it's it's all case by case and all that shit some shit doesn't need to be seen ever again some shit doesn't need to be seen ever again like uh, yeah okay my nephew just got here sorry no you're good okay we're good but yeah i do definitely feel like there's certain things that like certain things need to go out with the wind I know that's yeah. a terrible what you call it, but uh, certain and also too like I also feel like some of the streaming services that are like out now too as far as like when um their choices of certain movies I feel like they're also really out of touch with what people like really also want to see sometimes as well I don't know if that makes any sense it does 
I do feel like they're extremely out of touch. And I do feel like um, the people working there really like should. I do a little bit more like analytical research as into like what people, and there's a lot of historical films. That's what I mean, that they purposely do that. They keep them off of like certain sites. So that way, like you can't Mm -hmm. go back and see the history and see certain movies and see like what they were doing. Like Song of the South. Yeah. 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 Disney Disney will never, ever release Song of the South. I'm telling you, I'm telling you that's low key how it was for Gone with the Wind too. Like it was just one of those things where it's like, uh, I like, I, and it's on Disney. It's supposed like, it's a like you get, you have to buy it from them. And I was like, it's one of those things where it's like, y'all made it. So what are you ashamed of? You know what I'm saying? Like if you made it, then you, it should be here, but they know better. And what is that yeah. movie you just said? Because I'm going to go watch that. Which one? Um, Song of the South. Sh- Oh yeah, Song of the South. That's the I'm gonna um. Go watch, I'm finna go watch yeah, that. Yeah, you you you're gonna have to go dig. Like it's it's not on any service. You, like you might be able to find it on YouTube somewhere, but it's like Disney Disney buried that shit. Like it was um 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 it's the movie with like the the fox, the bear, and the the rabbit, and um um it's the movie that Splash Mountain and Disney World is based off of. But the one. That, oh my yeah. god, you lying! Nah, they, they, they have a whole ride based off a movie that we can't see yeah <laughs> and i love wait a minute and i well i'm like my god i love sorry my bad but i love that ride yeah me too but like but like the whole thing so so like not to not not to dwell on it too long but like but yeah song of the south was the um the movie itself is like narrated by this by this uh by this like stereotypical like black dude named uncle remus and you know like they and and it's just like him reading this story to he's a slave and it's him reading this story to like two white kids and you know like the characters are like Br'er Fox, Br'er Bear and Br'er Rabbit and like the only you, you know like the only things that Disney puts out about the movie are the animated parts about the fox the bear and the rabbit because those aren't you know like fucking racist as shit like Zippity Doodah is from Song of the South which a lot You're of people lying. don't I'm You're so lying. dead ass I'm so dead ass. Like, oh it's, no! It's, Yo, no, I gotta see this. I gotta see this. And 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 and, and, and like they, and it's funny because they re-released it. I think a handful of times over the over. They did it like maybe three or four times, and every single time people could protest it because you know it's racist. Like like to the point where like in Gone with the Wind, they didn't let Hattie McDaniel go to the premiere of the movie they didn't let the right. guy who played uncle remus go to the premiere of song of the south when that came out either and it, it, it you know they, they they disney's disney's got plenty of skeletons in their closet and like it's uh yeah it's 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 wild go 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 look into song of the south and find it if you can find it you let me know because i can't find it so i like, was trying to find it i daily motion some of the movies like that that's probably to be honest, mm. that's kind of how pretty baby is too. But Hattie McDaniel, I have a love-hate relationship with her because I do feel like she did open a lot of doors for black actors. And I do feel like they're like, I'm not saying that the roles that she chose were like, you know what I'm saying? But at the time, I get it. Because she chose the role she did, she made more space. She was like the sacrificial lamb, in my opinion, for yeah other black actors to get into the academy and certain roles and stuff like that so i have a love-hate relationship with her because she really is a a great credit to our race she really is and i would never deny that however 
the mammy trope yeah it's it's complicated man it's 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 such a oof I, but I'm with I you. also feel like I'm at the same, I feel like at the same time it was true it was historically accurate you get what I'm yeah. saying like I'm not saying it was and I just feel like they should not be ashamed of the history you get what I'm saying like I don't know how to describe it but I just feel like they should not be ashamed of the history considering that they did it I think a lot yeah. of us like didn't want to be depicted in that way because we wanted to step away from um, what happened because it was right. extremely traumatizing for us as, of course, Black people and women, very much so. And I do think that with Hattie um, McDaniel, they used her to be like, uh, well, she's blah, 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 blah. But at the same time, like, I love Dorothy Dandridge to death. I love Carmen. I love all of that stuff. But I just feel like a lot of those roles would not have been open had Hattie McDonald not done what she did. Oh, you're 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 totally right. It's 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 you know like it's just like 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 it's just a perfect example of two things can be true at once. You know, like she opened doors, but she also did it by you know you could say the same thing about the guys who did Amos and Andy too. Like they opened yeah. doors, but you know, like it, it's it's. You know, like they, you know, like they put forth a bunch of wild stereotypes that like, however accurate they may or may not have been like, you know, it's, it's, it's just complicated, man. It's, 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 it's rough, but like, we have to acknowledge all of it, you know, like the good and the bad. Like we can't just, we can't just push the bad to the side because somebody did some good shit, you know, like. Yeah, we can't, we definitely can't. And I just think that like, it happened. So pretending like it didn't like happen is it's like I just right. like it's kind of a part of critical race theory like I think that they need to see that it happened yeah you know yeah I mean? they need we to need, see we, that. we need to know our history you know like we need to know where shit comes from so we can you know like either work to improve on it or just make sure that it doesn't happen again if it was bad enough you know like it's like having that context is so important we can't just like pretend that it didn't happen i agree i i i definitely agree that's why i do feel like a lot of us need to be educated on like there's even like like we just talked about earlier i, I had never seen gone with the wind before like i i heard about it but i didn't know what the what the fuck it was about and right. um, in the movie they do try to gloss over slavery and they try to gloss over what happened and mm -hmm. that's also very very important for us to see too how their attitudes and their behaviors toward, um, you know what I'm saying? Like they made slavery cinematic. How do you make slavery cinematic? Yeah. Uh, how do you make it fashionable? <laughs> they made it fashionable as well too. Like, how do you do that? They made it look cute. Like, it's like, it wasn't cute. Like, you know? It was, like. It also made it seem like they were tolerable. You know, one of the main characters, he's, um what he's nice to slay quote unquote nice in the movie to them so i had never seen that i had never seen that movie but once i seen it it definitely opened my eyes to how they viewed their position in um quote unquote slavery or whatever i call it human trafficking but that's another story but it yeah. was like I, I do feel like we need to have access to shit like that i do feel like um that it's like I said, with that role with Hattie McDaniel and Vivian Leigh and stuff, like, that shit was really, really important. Like, yeah, you can't erase it. You can't get away from it. It's just there. 
I, I think actually Gone with the Wind should be something people see in school. I do. I really do. Because they need to see both sides of, you know, the and there's also a scene in there where, and, and this gets on my nerves, where um, slavery is over and that's subjective because it's, that's, it's never really over. But yeah, no, I get what you mean. I get what you mean. There's a scene where after the war, they're in town and they're explaining to um, Black people what's about to happen. Um, and they were saying, you get your 40 acres and a mule. And um, I'll never forget, I heard one of the Black actors, he's like, gee golly, like they made him sound so like, like we are just like in, in there and a lot of the roles that they played, they were all like, yeah, I'm like, gee, I just don't know. And, da, 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 da. and like, as much as that irritates me, like, I had, like, I just, I just feel like it was necessary for me to see. It definitely yeah, just was necessary for, to see. Um, what, you're on some, yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, no, you're good. I was just going to say what roles they had to take to get their 15 minutes in the movie. Yeah, yeah, nah, yeah, yeah, yeah. And just on some, like, this is how they saw us back then type shit, you know, like. <laughs> yeah. And also another one that I think um, is actually kind of underrated for this is Cleopatra with, um, is it Elizabeth Taylor? Elizabeth Taylor. <laughs> I've still never seen it. I, I, I just like. That is good as hell. And uh, one thing I was actually shocked is there are actually so many Black actors in that movie. There's a whole lot of them. Um, and uh that's another movie that is also when i seen it i was thinking um that it wasn't historically historically accurate and it turns out that it actually was and it um that we are talking about old movies but uh <laughs> <laughs> it was extremely historically accurate accurate in my opinion and um there was a, sh a shit ton of black actors in there like um even if they were like the you know, Egyptians, even if they were like the performers, there were a lot of them. And that's another thing, too, because we we're kind of always taught that it was hard for them to get roles and hard for, you know what I'm saying, for them to be active in the industry. But when you go back, you kind of could see that they were, ex we were extremely active and extremely active in the industry. Like we definitely were in a lot of these movies. And um, I think that's another reason why it's harder for us to gain access to them too because they've always perpetuated yeah. like it was so hard and it was very very hard for us but they also did hire a lot of us too because come on we the best performers we the best dancers yeah. we get down so mm. they needed that you know what i'm saying so right. you gotta see you have to see cleopatra it's fucking three hours and 50 minutes but it's worth every minute of it it yeah. is it, it was really good it was really good yeah. 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 And on top of that, it also, you know, like, yeah, you know, like a lot of a lot of a lot of black actors and actresses and performers were cast because they were trying to fill specific roles. And, you know, like, obviously, I'm still kind of I'm still kind of I'm still kind of if not even iffy, I, I've always just kind of been off. But by the fact that they got Elizabeth Taylor to play Cleopatra, I don't know if I'm ever going to get over that. But I do want to so, see it just just, just just to say that I did, you know, like. I don't know this, but that is, it's accurate. They were actually, um, and I actually found this out at the Met, that by that point when Cleopatra, they had not been Black in Egypt for centuries at that point because the Greeks, the Macedonians, 
and the um, Romans had overtaken it. So they had they had not actually been Nubian for like centuries at that point. The last um, Nubian uh, king or queen was Queen Ty, and that was like BC, way before Cleopatra, Nefertiti, and all those people existed. And um, that's something that I didn't know. I wasn't aware of actually how it was, but it it was it is accurate. It was very European at that point. Mm. Uh, they they had came in and. They had, um, I think it would have been wrong for Cleopatra to be any browner. Like it would not have been accurate because she was not. She actually was, I believe of, don't give me the line, but either Roman or Greek descent, she was. I'm I'm, 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 I'm gonna have to look into all that myself because I didn't, I didn't know any of that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't um, realize that before. And then I went to the Met and they have like a whole, maybe we should go. They have like a whole, you know, Egyptian, um, uh, part of the museum and they let you know when the Greeks and Macedonians and all of them came in and that was something mm. that I was also not aware of now as far as keeping Egyptian culture um, alive or I wouldn't say alive but I would say as far as taking what was Nubian and uh, you know making it their culture they did they very much so did that is definitely something that they did um so that's why you see in the movie if you get a chance to watch it in the movie you'll see that they actually respected ancient egyptian culture a whole lot but even now today egypt is very much so um they are very much so not nubian i'll just say that um but Hmm. it is accurate elizabeth taylor did her thing too she did a thing she uh, made me really like her after that movie. She made me like her so much, actually. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm, I'm, I'm have to look into all of that some other time when I when when I when I when I get the chance. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, what's it called? What was I gonna say? Oh yeah. So let's run it all the way back with you, like to the very beginning. What's the first movie experience you can remember having? It could be at the theater. It could be at your cousin house, wherever. Box and the Hound. My dad um r.i.p he drowns me out by telling me my favorite first movie was fox and a hound i used to run around the house um imitating (laughs) the characters and i had all (laughs) of the stuff the little merchandise from it um that's like the movie everybody calls me they'd be like oh it's fox and a hound in my family like they remember that and ironically i don't remember that movie at all damn (laughs) i don't you don't remember the movie at all no, not at all. Now, my first favorite movie is A Little Princess. Mm-hmm. I loved wow, a little. Yeah, I loved A Little Princess to death. Like that movie actually is a great movie on manifestation. It teaches you man- how to manifest things into your reality. Um, and that's what when I was little, it taught me to expand my imagination and to kind of like. Um, I guess go in with the make-believe and whatever you make-believe can come to fruition. But I didn't understand it so much at the time. And that when I got older, I watched it a couple of times and I was like, oh, that's why I like this movie because of it was a, a power of the mind movie. Um, but yeah, that one had me in a chokehold for years. <laughs> Little Prince had me in a chokehold. That was my first favorite movie experience I can remember. That's so cute. Cause like, yeah, cause like that, um, cause like I'd seen it, I seen it a few times when I was younger and it was like stuff like that. And like the secret garden, 
you know, like those, yeah. those, you, you know, like those types of movies that are very much about like a, you know, just like living a fantasy of some kind. And yeah, like they are about manifestation, you know, like especially uh, like more so the little princess than, than, than the secret garden, but they're still kind of on that same wavelength, which I. Yeah, which I would I like. say they are. I think I seen the secret garden after I saw a little princess and I believe the secret garden reminded me a lot of um, Narnia, like Chronicles of Narnia. Yeah. Right, right, right. Definitely. It, rem- it reminds me exactly of that um, kind of series, that series. But um, yeah, I think The Secret Garden I watched like a little bit after that. So I was emotionally attached to that one, too. You just unlocked your memory for me with that. One. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, you because t- you just said Little Princess and uh, and like I just thought like, oh, like they're both like they're both kind of like about like not real worlds that people go to to escape from the other shit and it made and and it made me smile and i also thought about um um you ever read a wrinkle in time before i have not but i've heard of it um they made a um ava duvernay made a movie uh turned it into a movie i think maybe about five maybe maybe like three four five years ago at this point um Mm -hmm. it wasn't like it wasn't very good but i grew up like i read the book in school and i really and, and and i really liked the book um so I was always really curious to see like what it would be like if they made it into a movie because it was like the whole wrinkle in time thing is about like this like it's about kids who can they like travel through time by like how do you describe it like like the wrinkle in time is them like wrinkling into themselves and like they time travel they they basically like implode and then like pop up in different time periods. It was like some really like zonked out. It was like the, one of the first times I remember reading something so like zonked out and surreal, like as a kid, like it felt like reading a drug trip. It was kind of wild. Okay. And the movies kind of okay. like that too. It's 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 a, like, like I wish I liked the movie more. I really, really do. They tried to do something cool, but like the book is, the book is totally worth reading. It's, it's a, the book is super dope. I forget okay. who's the author, but yeah. You it's just tight. put me on too. I'm making the list of all that. So I'm gonna check that one out too, because I've heard of it and I meant to get around to it, but I just never did. So I'm definitely gonna do that too. Is it anything like it's is it anything like um so you said they like implode into themselves? Like so am I reading it wrong with the butterfly effect? No. Um, I mean uh I mean, you could, you could, you could definitely make a comparison to the butterfly effect. Uh, okay. It, they're, they're just like, obvi- you know, I mean, like uh, a wrinkle in time was written, you know, like decades before the butterfly effect. Like, okay. like, do you mean the butterfly effect is in the, as in the movie or just like the idea of the, the butterfly idea, effect? The concept. Oh yeah. The, yeah. 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 I think, I think the butterfly effect as a concept might be, they, they might've, I, I, I don't know the history behind it, so I can't say, but okay. um. It's it's kind of sort of like like it's kind of sort of like that. It but 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 like the butterfly effect is all about uh that's all about like if you change one thing in the past, it'll have drastic consequences in the future. I don't think it was like that. It was. Okay. It, it's 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 weird. Like it, go read it. It's cool. That's as, as okay. all I can say. Okay, okay. I will. I definitely will. I love time travel. Time travel is my shit. Yeah, no, time travel is fun. Yeah. Um, and you know, like you had mentioned it. Um, you had mentioned it with uh, Little Princess, but were there, but like, as you get older, were there any other movies that you'd seen that uh, 
like was there a movie that kind of stopped you in your tracks and kind of made you appreciate it not even so much like not just like as a form of entertainment or even as like higher art quote unquote but just something that like really touched you and was just like oh man like this is like the power of movie making type shit um my mom made me watch terms of endearment i don't know why but that movie yeah that movie um um I think she actually was relating it to her own situation in a way. Terms of endearment touched me in that way too. Um, and like, I, I know this is probably corny, but the curious case of Benjamin Button, it always gets me. Like it always like makes me appreciate like life and like love for real, like love. Mm. Like I just feel like it's just a lot of love in that movie. Um, regardless of what you're going through and your circumstances and shit like that. And um, actually, this sounds crazy, but I just recently seen the Elvis movie. And the Elvis movie oh, made me shit. feel... Yeah, the Elvis movie made me feel like that too because I've been really miseducated on Elvis my whole life. And um, the Elvis movie really made me... It touched me in a way as an artist, as a performer myself, um, because I just never knew the history of... I wouldn't just say, I would say he's like one of the first pops, real pop stars that set the blueprint for a recording artist and um, like a major mainstream recording. Um, mm-hmm. And that movie, I know, I know that sounds crazy, but it touched me a lot. It definitely touched me a lot. Um, and that it touched me, it touched me because of, um, you know, I'm an artist as well. So right. it, help me see like all this kind of all the things that I idolize in that record recording industry and being an artist is like fake and I don't want to say like you know how you people are like oh blah 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 um Illuminati and all that extra shit but that's stupid to me I don't mean that I mean like as into where like he was like forcibly one of the biggest stars and he hated every aspect of it he loved his fans he liked being on stage don't get me wrong but the business that was created to make him that he hated it and that was really interesting to me because oftentimes you see big stars and you assume that they like what they're doing you assume that they love the attention you assume that they love you know um being an artist and a performer and to kind of just see Elvis was his whole career was an homage to black music and um to see that that's all he ever wanted it to be for real and it just turned into something else. And to see him just like hate all the aspects of it, it really kind of made me rethink what I want as an artist and what I want to do as an artist and the impact that I want to make. Um, you know what I'm saying? Uh, that one did. Um, when Dorothy Dandridge was played by Holly Berry, that also did this had the same effect on me because yeah. I, I look up to, you know, Black performers, but more importantly women um that have had to uh kind of break down doors and barriers to get where they're at and a lot of them just did not like what was going on at all you know what i'm saying so uh, those movies specifically hit me in the heart um it helps me re kind of recalibrate what my expectations are as a performer or in this industry or you know what I'm saying? What roles I have to play, the things, the sacrifices I have to make and certain things that I have to do. And it helps me um, like kind of less idolize, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. It 
me to less idolize things that I've kind of put up in my head um, that are that are like fallacies that are not true. So, right. yeah, you know, yeah, you know, like that, you know, like that type of shit makes artists human. And you realize that at the end of the day, like, you know, like even even, you, you know, like to go back to Elvis, you know, like obviously like he's, you know, he was one of the earliest examples of somebody who is like what in modern terms we'd consider to be a pop star. And obviously we all know where he got that blueprint from. And, you know, like he, uh, you, know, you, you know, like I don't think, I don't think he was like a particularly like, you know, like I don't think he did what he did out of malice. Like he clearly loved oh, no. the music that he was no. performing. But, and you know, that- like it's, it, you know, like it's, it's, a, it's a, sorry to cut you off. It's a whole like, you know, like, you know, like it's a, it's, a, it's a whole story. And obviously, you know, like white people's interpretations of black music tend to be more palatable we could we, we that that's a whole other conversation and you know like you know like he needs to he and the people who put him forward deserve to be held accountable for that specific thing but elvis was a human being you know like did, elvis was a human being yeah and... he was but i also <laughs> did not realize he was signed to sun records and sun records was attempting to put out colored music they did have colored that's artists. wild and i didn't know that either he was one of the only white artists there and at the time, um, the only reason, the only reason why he put out the music that he did, because he knew all those people, actually. He knew Mahalia Jackson. He was very right. close with B.B. King. He was very close with um, all the Memphis Beale Street artists. He practically, he grew up with them. And that was something that I was also was not educated on. He was actually one of the only white children in an all-Black neighborhood where he grew up at. I had no clue about that. So a lot of his music that he had and his... Um, it was authentic. It really was. And I, like I said, I didn't know any of that. Um, and he knew for a fact that the artists that he loved, which were black artists were not going to get on the radio. So he right. made mission to cover specific songs. And he was very well aware that they were covers. He was very well aware that he was not the, he used to always say, I'm not the king of rock and roll. Um, Fats is the king of rock and roll. He used to always say like, no, it's black people, but White people did not want to hear that from him. They did not. And they also, another thing that I did not know is they called him like a, a nigger lover and they actually were like, they did not like him at, at the at the time and when he was very young because he was like, um, this music is the music I grew up on and these people are not getting opportunities. So if I have the power to put this music on the forefront, that's the hell I'm going to do. And that's what mm. he did. And I think it's misinterpreted over the years um, because they turned him into, in the long run, once he became an RCA artist, um, one of RCA's first major artists, um, once he, major pop stars, I kind of want to credit him to being one of the first, the first, but um, as he became, they turned him into a caricature. So what we see is the Elvis in Vegas, the caricature of the artist, but that also contributed to us feeling like he stole and all that stuff. And they did that on purpose because they did not like that. He loved black music so much. They hated it. Mm. They did not like that. I didn't know that they took out the government. The senators took out um, pretty much campaigns against him. That he ended up going to war because they were like, stop playing pretty much what they considered nigger music. They were like, stop playing this. Like we don't like Mm. you're corrupting our children and our white children really, really like you. So you know what I'm saying? And in the movie, um, they came from very humble beginnings as well. So it was just very interesting to see, to see that. 
and also realize why artists today they follow his exact blueprint and i'm just like down to merchandise down to having t-shirts made down to having buttons made down to you know what mm-hmm. i'm saying the way the tours are set up down to everything that's something that i feel like is extremely important for us to see so yeah i don't know elvis got me in a little bit of a joke well every time somebody comes mm-hmm. around I'm like you've seen the movie you have to see it because i just didn't know i i had grew up my grandmother used to tell me she loved elvis and i used to be like girl why you like that white man but now I get it. And I also didn't know when Houston's mom was a background singer for him. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, That's there's a lot too. of, he had it. Yeah. He had a whole black band and I, I was not aware of that. You know what I'm saying? In the movie, they make it known, but yeah, he had a lot of, he helped a lot of black artists get their start in the industry as well. Um, and he helped um, little Richard as well. And little Richard actually did not hate him at all. <laughs> little Richard actually really loved Elvis. Um, a lot of them really loved him. You know, he used to actually hang out on Bill Street. He used to hang out with Black people all the time. He used to go to Black events. He used to try to be in the hood because it's in his eyes, he's from the hood. So he's like, you know, uh, he got crucified a lot for it. I think they did a very, very good job at illuminating that. And also shout out to Doja Cat. And everybody on the the album of the that that movie, the soundtrack of that movie, um, I think it was like Denzel Curry, Nardo, and Nardo Wick. Wicks, yeah. <laughs> they all got the amazing placements in that movie. Like, I thought that I was rad. Like, that's one of my dreams as an artist to get a placement in a biopic of a of a legendary ass person. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. Shout out to them. They did that. They really did that. Yeah. They did. Um, and they also called him. This is funny. The first Eminem, but I don't compare him. See, to Eminem. see, see. I'm I'm actually I'm actually kind of fascinating that you brought that up because the first place my brain went was vanilla ice because yeah. i just learned because i learned um there's this really it's it's a it's a long piece and i think it was in the ringer that um my man jeff weiss shout out to the jeff he's a real notes alum um he uh he did like this whole long piece about vanilla ice's life and like he also you know he was like oh yeah they like vanilla ice like grew up in like fourth ward of houston or, okay. or no, no, no 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 um i'm sorry uh don't don't quote me on that. Like he, like, 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 like he, like he grew up. I can't remember exactly where it was, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a link to the piece. Y'all could go read it. It's, it's like, like it did, it, like, it didn't really make me appreciate. Like it didn't make me appreciate his music anymore, but it at least gave me a fuller perspective on who he is as a person. And right. like his story is really fascinating to me. You know, right. like it, 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 it really struck me, but I haven't seen the Elvis movie. It's been on my list for a while. I'm a, I might actually watch it this weekend. Just yeah, because, you know, like, just, just because it kind of looked fun, you know, like not even for the not even for whatever historical context, which like if they're if that's there, cool. But I just like it just looked like it just looked kind of fun and silly and like it, it's a Baz Luhrmann movie. He makes silly movies or, or not, not silly movies, but like he makes saying, like he makes like really energetic, like campy movies. And I like yeah. that type of shit when I'm in the mood for it. So yeah, I get what you're saying. It is definitely that. It's definitely energetic. Um, Tom Hanks plays his manager, and Tom yeah, made, yeah, yeah, yeah. He made me hate him in the movie, so I know he did his thing too. He made me mm. hate him. Um, and also, Elvis is responsible for. He invented so much stuff. Um, he's responsible for the first satellite broadcast and music, first satellite concert that was able to be. Uh, sh- pretty much, I guess, for lack of a better word, streamed 
um, <laughs> across the world at one time. He was the first uh, artist to have 1.5 billion people in, imagine during that time, um, watch a concert from Vegas. So everybody has done that after him. It was never done before him ever. So mm-hmm. when we think about like Janet Jackson and her live at, um, in uh, Hawaii, we all watched it on HBO. That would never have happened had Elvis never had did what he did. So they gave a lot of, it, w- it was really cool. And also it's really, like you said, energetic and the style is insane. Um, that's my favorite thing about um, movies is costume design. And that's why I became a designer. Um, is mm-hmm. because of people like Edith Head, and yeah, uh, for real, for real, a uh, cinema. Wow. Is, yeah, cinema is the the sole reason why I became a fashion designer because I really want to become um, a wardrobe uh, costume designer for movies one day. I do. Wow, that's incredible! I didn't know that. I mean, like I knew you were a designer, but I didn't realize I didn't realize that was why you did it. And I wanna I wanna dig more into that, but before we do, I wanna get to you in music. So like when did uh like when did uh when did music become more than something that was just like in the background for you? Like cause like because like, like clearly it was clearly music's been a part of your life forever. But like when did but like when did music become like when did you first recognize it as like, oh, this is like music? Like damn. So I'm gonna be real with you. I was five years old. I've been um I've been my grandfather is an artist so my grandfather took me to the studio um when I was little and I think I met Tony 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 and I think in Vogue it was in some studio in Vallejo and I remember um he knew he knew he knows everybody he knew everybody my grandfather started his group because when he came back from war um he said that um he had a bet with the temptation some of the people in the temptations <laughs> that he could start a group or you know be a part of the group and they can maintain some type of success and they ended up doing it they did de- they definitely did my grandfather worked with leon Ware, willie hutch a whole lot of people so when i was young um i my mom had i've always been in a church and i guess i like I said, was around my grandfather a lot. And he used to always take us to the studio. I used to be with him a lot. So I remember seeing in Vogue and I remember freaking out and being like, this is what I want to do. And I was five. I remember being like, this is exactly what I want to do. Like, I know this mm. is what I do. And um, I started singing right after that, just started singing. And my, I remember my mom was like, she, I was singing Drew Hill's Five Steps in the Car. And <laughs> she told me to come now. She was like, come, come in the living room and sing that song you were singing in the car. And I sang it for her. And she was just like, okay, yeah, I can go in the choir. So I've literally been <laughs> in choir from like kid choir to youth choir to adult choir since I was five years old. So it's, I've played um, the violin, the piano, so, and the drums. And it was always something that I just like, I don't know. I just always knew that this was what I was going to do. So I had the opportunity when I turned 16, um, I was with uh, my Countdown Beats. Um, shout out to him, because he let me record my first song in his little dinky little microphone on his computer. <laughs> and um, we both, I believe he's Eric Sermon's son, he is. And we wow. both were like, yeah, it was just a random type of meeting. And we went to high school to get middle school to get there. And um, we had this, they had these groups and they we had uh, beef um with another group and we used to do the school (laughs) talent shows and 
I recorded my first record. Yeah, I was like 15 or 16 where I fully recorded my first song with him. So it was always something that I knew for a fact I was going to do since I was really, really little. And I, like I said, I had the experience of performing because of church. So right. I was performing every single Sunday. And um, I was in choir rehearsals two times a week from Monday and Thursday. And I did that until I was 17 years old. So I really, really learned how to sing, how to harmonize, how to do a lot of stuff um, through the church. So when I started recording, it was just like second nature, bam, this is what I'm supposed to be doing, you know? Um, it was never something that I like, it was never something that was like a hope or a wish for me. It was always just something I thought was who I was and what I was supposed to be doing. So <laughs> um, <laughs> when it became something to other people, was when I recorded my first album, but I was always on Tumblr being really annoying with the music. So I was always singing in like the chat rooms and I know nobody, that's really embarrassing, but I was always singing in chat rooms. <laughs> I made a lot of friends off of Tumblr because I used to, I was rapping really early and MySpace, I was making videos and, um, and because I had already recorded one of my first songs, I it was, you know, I had already considered myself an artist. So I started going by Lil Lemons. Don't ask. Uh, <laughs> um, yes, I was Lil Lemons first. And um, like I said, uh, I recorded Amori Infinity after um, I made a mixtape that was like Loud Pack for Lucy or something. Mm -hmm. And um I had a lot of friends that had a lot of blogs that were at the beginning of the blog and like era, like the beginning, like the very, very beginning. And I just took advantage of that. And they all fucked with me because they had seen me singing on Tumblr for years. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I was able to reach out to a lot of them and kind of just be like, hey, I got this mixtape when you posted. And they were like, yeah, of course. But then they were like, wait a minute, this is really good this is actually something I would listen to and, you know, share it with people. And that's, I feel like when it became a thing for like the rest of the world, but for me, it was always a thing. It was always. Wow. And, you know, like you, and you know, like you made it, you know, you made it and you had these people who were uh, posting you all over and you start to get attention from a lot of, you start to get attention from a lot of different artists, you know, like, you know, like you had already said that you spent so much of your time, um, you know, like a lot of people did, um, you know, like singing and performing in the church. And, you know, like when you started, you know, like when you started like releasing projects like Amori Infinity, like around like the early, the early 2010s, like, like talk to me about when you first started recording music for yourself. Like, what was it like to kind of, what was it like to go from, you know, like, you know, like seeing, seeing your grandfather and your uncle doing their shit with all these artists and then to going into the church to being like to, to singing in chat rooms to being like all right I'm gonna like record this shit and like actually put a project together now so in 2010 I lost my mom to like a bunch of different cancers and on her oh, deathbed I it's all good she's my angel she's 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 here so um I remember on her deathbed I remember telling her like some very because she was kind of controlling over me, in a sense. And I didn't feel like I had a lot of freedom. So um, right before she was about to pass, I remember I was just turning 18. 
And I told her, I said, I'm going to be a singer. I'm, I don't want to, I don't want to go into the military because I came from military families. And I was like, I don't want to go into the military. I don't, you know, want to do this. I don't want to go to school. I'm going to be a singer and I'm going to do it. And I remember she was like, yeah, what do you think? Like, I've been doing this. <laughs> what do you think I had you inquire? <laughs> or why do you think, you know, I did all of this for you. Why do you think I kept you around music? She was just like, duh, like, that's exactly what you're supposed <laughs> to do. <laughs> and so that's a year later I put together Mori Infinity um but how that even happened is I was walking down the street and one of the neighborhood kids he's also a producer too um shout out to him I'm not sure what he goes by so I'm not gonna butcher his name now but um I was walking down the street and um at that point after my mom passed I moved in with my dad and me and my dad was kind of beefing because, you know, you're 18, you think you... So I was just looking for any reason to get out the house. Um, I see my friend and I'm like, yo, where are you going? He's like, oh, I'm going around the corner to my friend Dizo's house. Shout out Dizo Beats because I would not be here without that man at all. Hey. Um, and um, Hassani Quest, shout out to Hassani Quest. I would also not be an artist if he hadn't given me direction on where what to start with and where to go. So I'm like, where are you going? He's like, going to Dizo's house. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm going to come with you. I don't want to be in the house right now. My dad's tripping. And I went mm. with them and they just so happened to be having a meeting where they were trying to start some type of collective. And so Dizo had the studio. I'm telling you, this man had a full studio built in his room. The closet was the booth. Like mm. he had a whole mixing board, the computer set up and everything. And he's like, you know, I'm trying to build something. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. And he's like, I want everybody in the room to go around and say what they do. So a lot of people were shy. It was like probably five or six of us. Shikari, my friend, he was like, I'm a producer. And then it came to me and he's like, so what do you do? And I'm like, um, I sing and I songwrite. And they were like, no, you don't. And I was like, yes, I do. And they were like, mm -hmm. well, write a song right now. So I wrote the first song off of Amori Infinity. I just can't call it. And I had it done in five minutes. And wow. Like, they were so amazed with that. Like, they were like, what the hell? Like, she's serious. You know what I'm saying? And um, I literally, they literally just gave me a random beat. And they were like, just make a song. If you, if you can sing and you can write, make a song. Like, they didn't think that I was going to be able to do it. And I finished that song. And from that moment on, we just started recording. We just went full throttle. Like, I was there every day. Um, I was working with whatever artist they brought me because I was just so excited to finally, like, you know, get started. And um, before we knew it, um, I think I released my first single, Twitter Love. Uh, it was produced yep. by I have it written down right there. Yeah, Twitter Love. <laughs> yeah, Twitter Love. And um, which is that one sample that's like, dun, 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 I forget the name, but. Um, that kind of like solidified that I was like like good at what I did. And mm -hmm. we just, like I said, we went in and we just was like recording, 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 recording. Um, and I uh, remember when we finished the project, they were like, damn, we did this shit in like a week or two. And I was like, yeah, like I, you know what I'm saying? For me, I had been doing practicing for so long that it was natural. So we um, went from doing it in his house to taking it into the studio and having it fully mixed and mastered at a bigger studio. 
And even then, we were not expecting, like, nothing. I was not expecting, like, I was just not expecting for it to, like, get really bigger than than it being, you know, a home record or whatever right. the case may be. Because I kind of have never, at the time, seen nobody do that. I knew I I thought you had to record everything at the major studio and be signed as a as a major label artist. So for me to have done this in like somebody's closet that early and um kind of like put it out as like a fully functioning album um when I look back on it I feel like I was very innovative not innovative but like yeah I was kind of ahead of the curve a lot um like I said, we got it mixed and mastered and I send it to the blogs, all the little friends that I had and stuff like that. And and like two days I see everybody's like tweeting me, um, good job, good job, good job. And I'm like, what? And then they it was like on the New York Times. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, this is real. Like, people really like this shit. Like that shit blew my head. Like, I was like, and I still didn't understand like the magnitude of it at the time because my dad and I were beefing and I was getting kicked out. So I was like, I'm trying to make sure I got somewhere to stay. Like, is this going to get me somewhere? You know what I'm saying? And I remember me, Dizo, and, you know, and we were just some kids in Orlando at that point. Like, this is like a neighborhood type situation thing. So it really like kind of let us see like it's bigger than this. You know what I'm saying? And I did not have a deal. I did not have management. It was literally just me and the producers. And we kind of like, we're just having creative fun, like a whole lot of fun. Um, and that shit like took off, like it took off. And from that moment on, it was just like, I started pitching myself to whatever label A&R I could find. I tried to find their emails and I was really obsessed with it because I was like, okay, now it's time. It's a go. Like, this is what I've been waiting for my whole life. And I started pitching myself relentlessly to anybody who I thought I could go to or would might, you know what I'm saying? Um, I want to work with me and so forth. And yeah, that shit really, I guess, that shit kind of like put me on the map for a lot of other artists who had aspirations to do the same thing later on in their career and so forth too. So yeah, that. It was about 2010 when that happened, I believe, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it said, like, around, like, 2010, 2011, and just, like, you know, so, like, that's, like, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm trying to even figure out, like, where to start, because just, like, between the, between the shit going on with you and your father, and just, like, everything going on with, like, you know, like, this, you know, like, this album was basically, like, a crash course for you, yeah. and you just kind of, you, you know, like, it's, you know, like, um, it's like your first time like recording for real with a bunch of other people and y'all don't think it's going to go anywhere and then it starts to go a few places and that and, and, and you know like you, you you've already kind of like implied that but I can only imagine how much of a how much of a serotonin boost and like a head bust that whole situation must have been so like after all of that happened and like you see your name on the fucking New York Times like you know like you, you know just like you obviously continue to record more music and so continue no. to put I did not have, I did not, I did okay. not think I'm going to record any more music because I go home and I say, dad, I made the New York Times. And he goes, okay, well, you have to get out. So I don't really care about that. And then he was like, and now that you made the New York Times, you should be fine, right? You, um, <laughs> he was like, hmm. you 
you should be fine. Like, uh, you're gonna, I'm basically, I'm kicking you out. And I think like, you're going to be a star. So it, it should all work out in your favor. I was like, what? Are you kidding me? Fuck? Like, I was like, are you serious? And so two days later, he's like, I bought you a ticket to California. Go figure it out. Just straight mm. like that. Straight and like this that. This is in Florida. You're going from Florida to California. Yeah. Um, and, you know, my, my mom's family's from California. And I, I wasn't with them at the time. But he was just like, go figure it out. He was like, you're, you're going to be a star. Like, you'll figure it out. And I was like, what? Like, I would never forget that moment of being in my room and being like, damn, like, I got to stay positive. Because if I don't, I don't know what the fuck, like, and I remember being so scared to get to California because I was just like, fuck, what if this shit does not work? And I had really low self-esteem at the time. So I kind of was just like, I don't like, if they're not, if my dad and my family are not going to be supportive of this, I don't want to do this. So I definitely did not think that I was going to put out something else. And I, I, I didn't know like that. I was like kind of walking myself into my next project high grade either. And my first album, actually, I wrote it all about, like I said, my mom had passed. So I was so young. I had never had a boyfriend before and none of that shit. And I just wrote it all about my mom's relationship with her husband and stuff like that. So I don't know if people know that, but uh, it was my take. Maury Infinity? Yeah, it was my take on Mm -hmm. a lot of those songs were my take on her relationship with her husband and stuff. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, yeah, I was trying to mimic a lot of the R&B I grew up hearing, but more so, like, just kind of, like, watching her going through what she was going through and stuff like that. And, yeah, a lot of the songs, even me down to picking, like, Faith Evans, the cover, that was one of her favorite songs. A lot of the stuff was really, 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 like, kind of influenced off of my mom, 100%. So, yeah, but once he kicked me out, like, I'm telling you, I, I went back to Oakland. And I remember I just stayed at a random hippie house. Like it was really that deep. Like I had nowhere to go. And by the grace of God, people took me in. And when I got there, they knew who I was. They knew who I was. And they had looked at me like I was some type of like artist or star. And that also blew my head too, because I was like, what is like, I'm literally homeless. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Man, so you know, like you make it back to Oakland, you kind of got like, like you have you 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 have little to nothing, but you're with these people who make you still feel larger than life, and you know, like you're making it work, and eventually you do make high grade. So, yeah. talk to me about where, like, a how long between Amore Infinity and how long was the wait period or not the wait period i don't i don't i don't i don't want to trivialize everything you just told me like how long how long was it between those two projects and what was it like making high grade okay so when i was in oakland um the people that i was with um shout out to them hellas queens delight duckworth was one of my best friends i met all of them at that time so we were just young making music you know what i'm saying like i met them at that time so i attached to them immediately and we was in San Francisco. We used to live at this place called The Warehouse. Um, and they, um, like I said, really, really embraced me. I honestly don't know where I would be too without them, for real. They really embraced me. And I, I would say that they encouraged my creative process 100 million percent. But at the time, I was like everywhere. So I had a little bit more like kind of press than they did at the time. And I still wasn't really like 
even aware of all of that shit. Like I was aware of it, but it didn't have an, I don't know how to describe it. Like it didn't, I guess when you're going through shit, it did, it doesn't like hit you, you know? Cause I feel like now if that shit happened, I would have taken a full advantage. I would hit everybody up and be like, yo, yo, yo. But because I was literally like, you know, on the streets, I, I don't know. I just never got really like Hollywood or industry or nothing like that during that time. And they embraced the hell out of me. So they helped me kind of like nurture my gifts at that time and kind of like really understand like, okay, now Iman is not just like, I have a sound. Like I literally have a sound now. And they helped me realize all of that. And somebody connected with them and was like, hey, we heard that you have Lucille Gotti. We really want to work with her. And um, they ended up driving up from L.A. It was like a group of people. And um, it ended up being Tay Walker from the Internet. And um, yeah, his family and stuff. I love them. Shout out to them. I just seen him in L.A. And um, they ended up, you know, asking me to write for them and kind of like write music for them and help, you know, um, and just kind of like become a writer and so forth. And. Like I said, I was completely down for it because I was trying to get the hell up out of Oakland. So I was like, okay, it took about, I want to say I had only been in California for like, it was only like three months I had been there before that happened. And um, I got to LA, I want to say within that three month span from Memorial um, um, Infinity releasing to that time from um, me being in California. Um, and... Once I did get to LA, I started recording um, immediately. But the thing is, when I got there this time, because I was in San Francisco and they told me I had, like, they kind of told me I have a certain sound about me. I specifically knew that I wanted to, like, sound like NERD. I knew I wanted to sound like, <laughs> I knew I wanted to sound like Vanessa Marquez. I was like, I want to be like a Pharrell artist. So I went there with the intention and I kept saying, like, let's make some spacey shit. Like, let's make some stuff that's like, you know, I, I really, really wanted that sound like real bad, real bad. You you were you were just talking recently about how you were basically a Star Trek girl. That's yeah. so funny. That's so yeah. funny. <laughs> no, I'm without a doubt a Star Trek girl. I used to get in trouble by my mama. I used to get on my skateboard and I thought I was rebellious. I, I skate and I used to ride around listening to fly or die. Like I used to be like oh, like you couldn't tell me shit. Like and where I grew up, they didn't know nothing about that. So it really made me feel like an individual at the time. And right. it kind of became a huge part of my personality and my style. So by the time high grade rolled around, I was like, yeah, this is this, this is the sound that I want. This is what I want to do. And then I asked, you know, my team at the time could be kind of like not imitate it, but could we create something similar, but for me, you know what I'm saying? So that's what they did. That's exactly what, <laughs> when I tell you, that's exactly what they did. And they were very excited to do it too. And it only took us, when I tell you two and a half weeks to record high grade, it took us two and a half weeks. Wow. So it took you, yeah. So it took you a week and change to run through a Mori Infinity. And then it took you two weeks to run yeah. through high grade. That that's yeah. like, wow. And, um, you know, so like you do all of that and you put out high grade after this, uh, you know, like after this like really rough period of um, you not having a place to stay and you just kind of rough. I was still going through it, sleeping on somebody's couch. Right. Um, they let stay there by the grace of God at the time, but I was starving. I remember I didn't have a dollar to eat. I was eating ramen every day. I was eating packs of oatmeal every day. Like I didn't have shit. So 
high grade really, I feel like is some of my most definitive work because when I tell y'all, like I was a starving artist, I was a literal starving <laughs> artist. <laughs> yeah, no, you were out here doing it for the love type shit. Yeah. Yeah. And then also, you know, I, I um, the New York Times put it in my head. I could be something bigger than that. I could be a star. And so I wanted to use high grade as an opportunity to become a star for real. I did. I definitely did. And um, that's when I first started understanding like, oh shit, like I'm like a weed smoking, spiritual ratchet hippie. Like I realized what my image was at that time. Um, I think this is still like 2011. Yeah, it was like 2011, 2012 around this time. And that's when I had kind of like, a, like you know, got my identity together as far as who Lil Silgati was. I got the golds and you know what I'm saying? Uh, I got to LA and I started meeting everybody. I started everybody. So showing up, I had to show up as Loud Pack Lucy. And I was doing that. Like I was so like, in love with being loud Lucy at that time. Like I was in love with being Lucy at that time. And the music was really like, it helped people kind of understand like what I was doing. And at that point, this is like project number two or three for me. So I got way more comfortable with what I was doing as an artist too. And like I said, that's, that's the one that really, besides Amori Infinity that like, put me I feel like on the map that's one of the ones my fans really know me for and really love me for mm -hmm. and um I'm just really honored that I kind of went through struggle so bad because if I didn't I would not have been able to put you know been able to put my authenticity in the music yeah it's it's yeah it's always it's always really uh that's such a that's such a difficult thing to kind of approach just you know like you know, like nobody wants to go through hardship. Nobody wants to go through bouts of homelessness and, and starving, eating ramen and oatmeal all the time. Like nobody wants to have to do that, but you listen to stories of people who really like devote their lives. And like, you're somebody who like devoted their life to music when you had damn near nothing else, you yeah. know, like you hear these stories and it's just like, you know, just like the, it's like they say, you know, desperate times call for um 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 desperate times call for desperate um hell yeah. Why am I? I'm 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 forgetting the last Me word. My measures. My, my brain's <laughs> fucking up. Yeah, there you go. Measures. Damn, what's wrong with me today? Oh yeah, desperate times call for desperate Please, measures. <laughs> yeah, but no, like it's it's um, but you know, like you you know you like you you know you get to the point where you get to the point where you make a project like high grade. And, you know, like you're making some noise and people are really, you know, like you're getting a response, regardless of whether or not you're getting, you know, like the money you want to see from it, you're getting a response. People know who you are. You're yeah, rubbing shoulders. Get, I didn't get a dime. I didn't yeah. get advance. I didn't get even like an allowance. I didn't get anything. And, um... Uh, it was a time where I was very upset about that, but I kind of let all of that go because I think that um, that was just a part of the story, man. Like, I, I still wouldn't trade it for not having high grade. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm glad that I have that. So I feel you. I, I just didn't have anything at the time. And, and I was trying so, so hard to get something at the time. Like, I really was. But I, what I did have was exposure. And what I did have was um good PR I had great PR um and um mm -hmm. I 
use that to my full advantage at that point. And like I said, um, I, I think I recorded high grade two, like in less than a month after that. And I think I kind of scared my management a little bit because I didn't know you're supposed to work an album for like a year or two. I was like, well, we put that out. Let's do something else. And I work like that. I work really, really, really fast. I have 17 albums out. So I work fast as hell. Like, right. I don't know why I'm like that. I don't know, but I was ready to move on. And I think that kind of like scared them a little bit because they did put a lot of time and effort into high grade. And they were like, why you just want to move on from it? And I'm like, it's not that I want to move on. I still want to drop, you know, another high grade pro- project, but I'm moving like an independent artist. I'm not moving like a label artist. Right. And I, yeah. That time, like, I don't know. There wasn't really a blueprint on how to, how to do it as an independent artist. Like, Right. Like there is today, you know, like you were, you, you know, you were kind of, you were kind of ahead of your time in that way. There weren't, you, you know, like outside of like currency, you know, yeah. like, and, 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 you know, like, yeah. right. I'm sure. And, you know, like, and, 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 you know, like, of course, like, you know, like from, um, what's it called? A lot of, a lot of Cali artists were kind of dropping music like crazy too, especially yeah. down in the Bay. Like I know the Bay has a really big like trunk mixtape culture and people are just like buying like five albums right that get put out in like two weeks type shit like (laughs) so that's where I came from I came from that culture of exactly that like exactly that you know growing up the hyphy movement and all those artists used to put out tape after tape after tape so in my head I was thinking we I I specifically remember telling them we're gonna little wane this and I'm gonna make noise because I'm gonna just keep putting shit out and they were like uh I don't know about that like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you're trying to get a deal and shit. They were like, I don't know about that. Like, you got to take time and let people get to know you. And I was like, I'm just going to keep going, you know? And I think I was kind of a little bit headstrong in that because, like I said, I didn't know you were supposed to work an album. I, I just now know what it means to work an album after the breakup, as ironic he said that. That's the first album that I tried to work, like, for real, work it. And... Right. Um, at the time, I just didn't, I, I was very rebellious, and I was also still very hurried about my mom and my dad, so I right. feel like I just was more so like, you know, like, I gotta be a star now, I gotta be a star now with high grade, and I think um, also having that mentality kind of, I don't want to say ruined, but it held me back a lot, it definitely did, it did, it did for sure, mm, but I definitely yeah. came from the culture of selling shit out your trunk, of you know mm-hmm. lime wire just being on lime wire you find this mixtape that mixtape this one that one yeah and then you just wind up downloading like 200 songs you know yeah you fuck right, up your computer right. <laughs> like yeah. right right and as an independent artist now i know that's what you're supposed to be doing whatever the fuck you want to do but at the right. time i thought i was doing something wrong so um i thought maybe i was giving like oversaturating a little bit if that makes any sense mm-hmm. yeah it was probably hard to keep up with, but I don't know. I'm glad that I got the projects out of it that I did. So, yeah, you, yeah, you know, as, as, you know, as long as you're happy, and it's like, <laughs> and you know, it's and you know, it's like I said, it's a, uh, um, you know, like at that time, that wasn't really like the norm. It wasn't the norm to be like dropping one project and then have another three to four months later. At least not on like a, not in like a mainstream quote unquote sense, but Definitely. like. Definitely not an R&B for sure. Right. Yeah. Definitely not an R&B. Definitely not. And I remember they and, were called alternative R&B at the time, and now it's like a right. Thing. <laughs> yeah. It's a full thing now. But at the time, I remember seeing it, and they were like, 
this is alternative R&B. And I used to be like, no, this is Neo Soul. Like, what are you talking about? This is an alternative. But um, now it's like a, like, it's a, it's a thing. And um, right. I remember, yeah, they didn't know how to categorize me at the time. They didn't. They were like, you, you know, confused. <laughs> you, you, you know the one I always remember? Like, people used to call the shit PBR&B. You ever hear that one before? No, I haven't. It, it's 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 awful. Like they used to call like the weekend. Uh, I mean, like early okay. like House of Balloons yeah, era yeah, weekend yeah. and like Frank Ocean and like Miguel. They called that like PBR and B, like hipster R and B, alternative R and B. I didn't get that because I I was getting trill wave R and B because of who I was connected to and who I was working with. And yeah, naturally, with, with Speaks and like Raider Clan and stuff like that. So I was getting. They was calling me trill wave. And mm-hmm. I like that way better than alternative. I still Same. love Trill Wave. Still love Trill Wave. Um, but that's that pretty much tough. like, yeah, they was giving me that moniker at the time. And I loved, absolutely love that. And I still love it to this day. And I'm I'm really cool that that's a part of my history too. That's, but, yeah, I love Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't mean to keep cutting you off. You're not cutting me off at all. You're fine. Uh, I, I just, I just, I just don't like talking over people. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, so like you've got, so, you know, like you put out, you put out these two projects and you've already gone through some pretty crazy changes and made some, made some connects and have made a lot of noise. And you already mentioned the breakup, which obviously, you know, like there's a lot of, there was a lot of time between high grade and the breakup, but, and so like, but I, um, but, I'm curious about the breakup specifically because you said that was the first time you really figured out how to like market yourself. So like, right. Right. So, yeah, yeah. So like, what, what do you mean by that? And like, what was it, you know, like, especially considering that we're talking about from like 2012 to the breakup came out in 2019. So like, that's, 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 that's I mean, like there's like things that happened in between those seven years. Yeah. But, like, Lucy- I had put out Lucy's Love Suite, which actually has one of my biggest songs, uh, Been About You, Still About You, with Lauren mm-hmm. Wong. Shout out to Lauren Wong. Shout out to DJ West. Um, so I did put out Lucy's Love Suite before that. But see, Lucy's Love Suite, um, that one is when I kind of like, that's Lucy's Love Suite and Bad Manners, too. Why am I forgetting Bad Manners? Bad Manners. Okay, so Lucy's Love Suite and Bad Manners. Bad Manners, I came... It was bad manners was after high grade, the high grade era and bad manners. I had released when I got to New York. And when I came here, I had New York buzzing with that shit. I'm not going to hold you. I was doing Mm. SOBs with that one. I was doing show after show with that one, but I still had not understood how to market myself at all. And um, I remember I was, um, that one was 2013 and I was taking old school nineties R&B and I was covering I was I was doing that then and they're doing that now but I was doing then on that project and I didn't even understand the significance of it like I always say that I had the shoddy swing my way sample and then years later I hear Bryson Tiller have it the kind of exact the same way and Mm -hmm. like I said at the time I literally was like I didn't understand how to market myself so there's a kind of a few projects that I have that I feel like went a little bit under because I didn't understand what my image was. And those ones were kind of like trial and error, but I was able to get at your neck was a hit off of bad manners and been about you still about you was a hit off of Lucy's love suite was supposed to be bad manners too, but I changed the name last minute. And um, like I said, those two were more sonically about like tapping into 
R&B because they said I was alternative and I was like trying to protest it at the time. So I, I was like, I need mm-hmm. to get back into the Neo Soul sound. So I feel like I sharpened, you know, they say steel sharp as steel. So I feel like I sharpened my writing abilities and my songwriting and my singing abilities with those two projects. Um, and those two have like my, some of my highest played songs ever, like half a million, all that stuff. And, um, those were done off of headphones and a fucking iPhone. And yeah. And I just find that that's very incredible that I was able to pull that shit off. Um, and kind of like nobody really knew that, you know, I'm seeing this shit get on complex and I'm like, if these niggas knew I did this on garage band, like (laughs) I really like, you know what I mean? With the most basic, like. You know, beats, like if, fucking like out the box equipment, like Beats headphones and an iPhone five. I recorded two nah. albums. So yeah, that's how much I love music. I was like, ain't nobody gonna stop me. I didn't have access to a studio um, the way I thought I should. So I was just kind of like, ain't nobody gonna stop me from doing, you know, doing me, doing what I want to do, um, creating music the way I want to create music anyway. So I um, did those two projects, and so after those two projects. Um, that's when it kind of hit me that I didn't blow up the way I, I wanted to blow up. And I got, mm-hmm. that started like the the bulk of like my music depression, like for real, for real, because I was just like, okay, wait a minute. Why am I doing this on headphones and stuff? Like, why am I not in the studio? Why don't I have a budget? Why don't I have a deal? Why don't I have these things? And it just kind of like sent me into this tailspin depression. I can't even described like how bad it was but that's how I got the breakup because the breakup was me trying to divorce what I felt like was failure in my career right so that's that's why it's called that but that also was one of the ones where it was finally recorded on the microphone (laughs) (laughs) it was finally recorded like on real shit so only took you only took you like seven eight years yes oh my god like for oh, real. No, it's, oh it's like, all good whatever works you know like <laughs> and uh being leo leo memory music shout out to philly memory music we had instant chemistry with the music the minute he had been sending me beats at that point for almost like a year so right I never tapped in with him. I had like never seen them and never really checked them out. And then one day, you know, I'm fucking in this room, sad as fuck. And I was just like, let me go listen to some music. And um, I tapped in. And I was like, whoa, I've been sleeping on this. Like, what? I hit him up immediately. I'm like, where are you at? He's like, I'm in New York. I'm like, whoa, I'm in New York. I'm like, nah, we got to like, nah. Like, so we started recording the breakup. But from that moment on, he used to make me have meetings with him where he wanted to discuss, um, cause I think he was coming off of working at Cobalt and he had a better sense of like what an artist should be or like look like and stuff. And he wanted me to have like a full, like, I don't know, like organized system with this album. And I'm telling you, it helped so much because we would go to coffee, we would go for coffee, sit down and have meetings. and. It, he would have his computer out and he would be like, okay, what is the game plan for this project? And I was like, what are you, what are you talking about? We just gonna put it out. Right. Like, no, we're Hold not. Like, <laughs> he was like, no, we're not. We're going to sit down and we're going to come up with a concept and we're going to brainstorm 
and you're going to tell me what it is that you want to accomplish with this and we're going to try to accomplish it and I was like mm, I don't usually do that I usually oops my phone dropped I'm like I don't usually do that I just usually um you know what I'm saying put it out and you know hope for the best so he was like yeah nah that's not what, mm -mm. so it kind of like forced me to figure out who I was as a, for real as artist, like for real. And I had just signed a deal with this British label Bender at the time. And um, I was trying to convince them to give me like a bigger budget for it. So I really wanted the project to be like solid and put together. So with all those things in mind, um, you know, I started like doing photo shoots that were coordinated. That was the first time I did photo shoots that were coordinated with the album. Um, I started doing, uh, events, my first set of events where I would be throwing theme parties that were coordinated with the project. Um, I remember I was putting together press kits that were coordinated with the project. And, um, when I sent the engineer, um, tips for engineering the album, I gave him a whole like list of what I wanted it, the sound exactly to be like, and, and the, the mood of it and stuff like that. That was the first time that I actually like really put my foot in I, I was rehearsing I hired singers I you know what I'm saying like I really I you know booked people to perform with me and oh for my show and um had people come out from different states and stuff to perform and I just kind of understood like at that point I said oh yeah that's probably why my other albums didn't do what I wanted them to do um because <laughs> I never did this before I never you know what I'm saying? I tried to shop it. I was unsuccessful with shopping it, but I tried to shop it. Like I shopped it everywhere. Anybody that would listen to it, any record uh, label that I could find, I tried to send it to their like A&R or somebody of that nature. And I sent it to a shit ton of people, like so many people. <laughs> and even though I didn't get the response I thought I should have got it with that, I have evidence that people heard it, if you know what I mean. So um, mm -hmm. I worked very, that one, I, I really put my foot in so, so hard. Like that was my first putting my foot in. And then I understood, like, I was like, okay, I got sex appeal that I could work with. I got, you know, I'm more than just being spiritual, like ratchet and spiritual and stuff. And, um, you know, because I'm from Oakland and I had used that for a long time. Like, they're not from 2-9. I, I. But for this time, I saw myself in more of a feminine, sensual light. More of like a, I don't know, like a storyteller, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. And the album, I wanted to talk about the depression that I was feeling from feeling like I failed in music. So I did I did just that all over that project. Um and, you know, just like breaking up with situations and things that weren't healthy for me and mindsets and people and a lot of shit was coming to a head at that time. So, yeah, that one really, yeah, that one. And then also I was in New York, so I wanted to have the title track be facts. I wanted it to be like slang because I started really being like, you know, I really love New York. So right. I tried to put a little bit of culture in that bitch and just. I don't know. It was really a time. It was really a real time, a really fun time in my life, too. Really fun time in my life. And I remember being really hurt because I just felt like nobody experienced. I'm like, this is my first one that's really good. Like, y'all want me to do this shit on my phone? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And 
I'm actually happy you brought that up because, you know, like hearing you say, hearing you say all this and, you know, just like talking about like recording off of like, off of like Beats headphones into an iPhone and just like kind of being, being like ahead of your time in terms of like release strategy and just like, you, you, cause, cause you know, like the whole, like, you know, the whole like recording onto your iPhone thing, like Steve Lacey just had a phone put in the Smithsonian in DC for that. You know, wow. like he, you, 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 you know, like he's honest. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, like that, you know, you, you know, that's why I bring that up because like you were doing that before, you, yeah. you know, like, you, you know, like Steve Lacey, Steve Lacey, but like, it's just like, I just say this in the sense of like, you do all of these things that people eventually pick up on however they pick up on it. And, you know, like, you know, just like, I think all the time when it comes to certain artists of just like, you know, like being ahead of your time off often means that you get overlooked you know like you're the person who kind of like you know like in the sense of somebody like a Hattie McDaniel you're kind of like opening the door for people to do that stuff and for it to be a little more accepted than it might be otherwise and I always feel the need to ask is like you know like as someone who kind of did this didn't get the response they wanted regardless of whatever marketing you know like was or wasn't done you know like did it ever get frustrating to kind of look at stuff like that and be like damn like what do they have that I don't (laughs) you know I spent six years in that black hole where I'm getting emotional talking about it that's crazy but I I it, it got to a point where I was just like what the fuck am I doing like I'm seeing like so many people take off with lol sorry I always get emotional talking about this because I'm just now out of it where I finally feel like um, I'm just now out of the shit where I finally feel like I'm in a space where nobody can take the shit from me or nothing can take it from me. But at the time I was very angry, very, very angry, very bitter. Um, And fuck, sorry. No, we can move on if you want. We don't have to. I I, I don't. Oh, I, no, I, no, I, no, 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 no. I have okay. to say, like, I'm a cancer. I'm a fucking crybaby. So that's I like you, I, I I'm a get fucked. But I do think it's important for other artists to see this too, because I'm not the only one that's experienced this. And like, like I said, um, it is very important that they do get to see this. But um, there's other artists that are younger than me that are not even just younger or that or want to come in the game or there's a lot of artists I know who have experienced the same thing and have these same sentiments as well but I'm just a crybaby bitch so but um I was very angry very 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 angry for a a, for a majority of years I was very angry because a lot of these people I knew you know what I'm saying and a lot of these people could have like thrown me an alley-oop or you know what I'm saying um something and I just felt like it just didn't you know I guess go that way and like I said, I was bitter as hell. I'm not even gonna deny that. I was fucking fucked up about it and depressed and all kinds of things about it because I just felt like, what if, like, like you mentioned Hattie McDowell, I kind of felt like the sacrificial lamb. I kind of felt like I did all of that so somebody else could run or, you know what I'm saying? I did all of this so somebody else could, you know, could fly. They always say what, um, MLK walks so Obama could fly type shit. Like, that's yeah, how it yeah, was. Yeah. That's how it felt. That's exactly how it felt for me. And, um, it was crazy because every time I would bring it up, people would just think I was being like crazy and just mean and rude and I'm a mean girl and all this stuff. But I was just like, 
No, like, nigga, I literally have sacrificed relationships with my family, a lot of shit for this dream, for this, you know, this is not something I take lightly, this is not no fucking hobby, this is not no fucking, right. like, dream, this is not, a, I'll make that clear, this is not a dream for me, this is my reality, this is my life, so, life, yeah. yeah, so it's not something that's in the far distant future for me, where I'm like, one day I hope, no, like, this shit is now, it's always been like that for me, and, um, I've had to kind of come to terms and kind of, um, I would say, put my little shit to the side. But I've seen, like, so many people, so many people get credit for shit that I feel like I was definitely a, a part of the innovation of a lot of these things. And it just made me constantly be like, I quit. I fucking quit. I quit. I, I don't want to do this anymore. And I think people were catching the brunt of that off of me, especially like my fans, but they weren't really understanding where I was coming from. They kind of were just looking at me like, oh, like, okay, nobody wants to see you like be sad about shit. And I was just like, you know, because on one end, I'm feeling like a failure, but on the other end, people who have really listened to my music, they're looking at me like Lucille Gotti, like, no, like this, like you have been an impact in my life and you're an artist that I really, really fuck with. So they're not looking at me as like a regular person that, um, you know, is going through something. They're just looking at me as like an artist. So I'm supposed to be inspirational to them all the time. I'm supposed to be positive to them all the time. And I was not that for years, four years. And I think they were looking for that from me because of the magnitude of work I had put out. And I do feel like that kind of hurt my career, but like, no, I was genuinely mad at that shit. Like I know, like there's still to this day, like, no, no, I I still want my flowers for certain shit. I still want to be recognized for all the shit I put in, for real. And mm -hmm. I don't think that'll ever go away. But um, I don't want to be selfish either because music is not supposed to be selfish. It's not about me at all. I'm just a, a, a one person in a long line of greats or a long line of people of creativity, of the universe's creativity. So I also felt bad, like I'm being selfish. Um, I felt guilty because I'm like, I'm trying to make this shit all about me and I'm being selfish and... And that's not cool either because I love music. I love music. So besides all the fame and all that shit, I'm a like, music is my shit. Like I'm a music historian. You know what I'm saying? Like I study this shit. I do research yeah. on it. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like it, it's had a huge impact in, in my life. So to, to, to be something in this game and be like, like mad at it, it that also broke my heart too. Cause I'd never expected it to be like that I always expected for me to just get to a position to where you know I could do my thing and I could have the sold out shows and I could connect with the fans and I could listen to their stories about you know how the music has helped them live through life and how it's helped shape their identities and you know how it's helped um help them create a sound and stuff like that so I yeah I, it was I would say more than frustrating it was really like yeah it was bad but Yes, it's just a part of the game, you know, um, and I, I truly believe that it's I always tell myself, you just have a miraculous story like this just is a part of the story, uh, you know what I'm saying? And maybe you can just educate other artists coming into the game what to avoid and how to take their shit serious. But one thing that I will say that it did do was allow me to own my music and right. get complete ownership over the shit that I've done. and because I wasn't bigger, I've 
zeroed in and started mad companies because I was like, I don't have record label. I'm going to start a record label. I don't have PR. I'm going to start a PR company. And I started just doing all those things. And now I'm just like, I have full companies now that came from that time of my frustration and my, you know, depression over not making it what I thought it was. So. Right. And, you know, yeah. you had that and that and that and like the clothing designing and you're like, you never really stopped making, of, of course you haven't stopped making music. And then, you know, like this pop star Benny shit happens and tears of a clown. So, um, so yes. like talk to me about how y'all got connected and just like what it, you know, like what, like what it, what it was like to put this project together. And I guess uh, what hopes you have for it because it seems like this is primed to this is primed to get you a little bit more attention than some of your other shit so (laughs) so this is really wild Benny grew up on my music so Benny has been a friend he was in high school and that's what I was saying earlier like there are so many people now that are like yo like your shit inspired the fuck out of me and they're telling me this and I'm just like what like I'm really like you know and I think I was this is how me and Benny got together I was going on a Twitter rant and I was like they just be stealing from me and all this shit and he I guess he saw it and he followed me and he sent me a DM and he sent me a picture of all his old records and he had all my old albums like all my old even some of the deep cuts and I was like damn and he was just like yo you right he was like I grew up listening I grew up listening to you and he was just like, you're right. Like you inspired me to help me find my sound as a producer. And I was like, you fucking lying. Like shut up. Like, you know, I didn't yeah. believe him because that shit is crazy to me. Like that shit is nuts. And then when I tapped in and I was seeing all the work that he did, I was like, whoa, like, okay, that's fucking cool. Like I love being a part of somebody's history. Like uh, I love being a part of something like that. And so, um, he initially like sent me a record and I did the record, uh, which was really fucking cool, but I didn't take it serious. I'll say I didn't really take it serious because I was coming off of working on like some other records I had did. And then um, one day, I want to say it wasn't that, it wasn't that long ago because we did the album pretty fast too, but it wasn't that long ago. And uh, he was just on Twitter tweeting, you know, you always post his beats. He always does. And I, um, I had uh, he had posted one and I DM'd him. I was like, send me that. And he sent it to me. Um, and I sent him the record back. And he was like, oh, holy, like, nah, I'm finna send you a whole lot more. And he just sent, he just kept sending me, sending me, sending me, sending me probably like 30 or 40 beats at once. And um, I sent him back like 10 records. And um, before we know it, we just fully had a project. And the project initially has started off as like a heartbreak album because I was breaking up with somebody. And then once I got the rest of the records, I was like, oh no, I don't want to do that. Like I, I wanted to be like, I want to create like a new sound for myself and shit like that. Plus I had the breakup is very plug and be. It's extremely plug and be. And I decided that I that's where I want to be in music as a plug and be artist. Like I decided right. that that's my sound. That's and where I want to be. And, 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 you know, plug and B is having like a really big moment right now and more people are starting to get tapped into that. So once again, you know, you were a little, you were a little ahead of the curve with that one too. Sorry to, I just had to say that. <laughs> no, I mean, I, it's not sorry to say that it just is what it is. And so the, my thing is I'm thinking this album might make plug and B mainstream. And I'm a little nervous about that because, you know, when shit hits the mainstream, because I, of course I want to, you know, be global, of course, 
but I'm just nervous that it might, you know, take it. And there are definitely other plug, plug and be artists, but I haven't heard any like singer singers like me, um, kind of like approach it or take or touch it really yet. Um, there are a lot of talented people in plug and be a whole lot of talented people in plug and be. And, um, I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying like, I haven't really heard any of the R&B-ish, neo soulish kind of take that lane yet. So mm-hmm. it really made me like kind of be like, oh yeah, yeah, totally. I could do this and then I could be an individual in this. And then I'm not going to lie. That is what got me out of my music funk completely is this album with Benny. Um, you probably could hear it all through there that I sound so just, I just sound more clear. I sound more happy. I just sound like I really wanted to put this shit together. And um I just like we ended up just having full conversations. Me and Benny, he's such a great, he's such a great guy. I don't even think he realized how much he's helped me come out of this bullshit that I've been trying to get out for so long. And um, he just like really started executive producing and he started being like, keep this song, drop this song, and you know, like let's let's really put this shit together. And so now with the knowledge I have from the breakup, um, I'm applying that to this album a hundred percent. You know what I'm saying? Um as far as the market is concerned and understanding what it is that I want to do with this. And he linked me with Raph Made, Glum Boy, um, 14 Let's Go. Uh, yeah. I, forgive me who I'm naming, but he just opened a door for me now that now a whole bunch of plug and B producers have sent me music and I'm just like, okay, like, fuck, like, this is a whole mm-hmm. new world for Lucille Gotti type shit. So Right. I was kind of on the fence. Do I stay with Lucille Gotti or do I venture off into like change my name? And that's where I came up with Sabbath, Six Sabbath and stuff for it. And yeah. um, he just, I don't know. I, I just want to thank him for believing in me and then also giving me the beats because he didn't have to do that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he right, did not yeah. have to do that at all. He did not have to do that, but he did. And you know what I'm saying? Like, this is like a platinum producer. So that's how I'm looking at him. Like, you are a platinum producer. You know what I'm saying? And like I said, he didn't have to do that. So he helped me find, um, he helped me find a whole new sound. He did. He did. I'm, I'm excited about this project because I'm just very excited about it. Um, But it's kind of like the same feeling as the more infinity. I don't expect anything from it. I don't, um, I'd be okay if I just put it out and, you know, it was enjoyed the way it was and stuff like that. I kind of don't have any plans to shop it or nothing like at all. Like, I don't want to tarnish it. I don't want to ruin the the vibes. Um, if it catches fire, it catches fire. And that's awesome. But if it does not be satisfied either way, because I've, I'm pioneering another sound. So that's all you could ask for as an artist to be honestly ahead of the curve. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, uh, I'm it's really int- <laughs> no, 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 no. You're good. Um, no, it's no, it's really interesting for me to hear you say that you don't have any plans to like super duper shop it, especially considering that like you kind of did that with the breakup. Like, are you just going to kind of drop it and then just leave and go on to the next shit again? Or are you going to? Oh, no, no, no. I plan to fully like be immersed in Tears of a Clown because Tears of a Clown to me is I called it that because I felt like I, I felt like you see how I just cried. I was just crying and shit. I felt like that about music for a long time. And I kind of feel like I'm the clown. Like, I don't know how to describe it because 
it's just like I just feel like I don't know it's clown behavior for me to to ever think less about my work or to think less about anything and because I I did that I kind of feel like I put myself in a lot of dinky positions and I also feel like um (laughs) I also feel like a a what is it? A cir- I feel like uh, an attraction in the circus that gets overlooked, but I figured out how to, um, and, and the Elvis movie actually is inspired. This is inspired by the Elvis movie. In um, the Elvis movie, Elvis's manager is um, a tour manager for the circus, for the, what is it called? Yeah, it's, it's like a circus, a circus show, but a freak show, circus show, whatever. And right. he, he says, he teach he knows he's successful because the art of the snow job, which is um, people emptying out their wallets for entertainment, for a smile. You leave them, you just leave them with a sense of of emotion, and that's what they came here for. And um, that's that's the huge inspiration behind this project is as well. Um, it's definitely a snow job, but uh, <laughs> definitely. Uh, I feel like the clown cries for real. So like I said, I don't have, I don't want to shop it. I don't, I don't want it to get tarnished, um, but I can guarantee you. And I, and I quote me on this, that you will be hearing other people attempt to sound bigger than me, probably. Um, <laughs> I know that for a fact, cause that always happens to me, but you will hear other people attempt this sound in the future. So I just want to make sure that I don't get jaded by anything. And I feel like if I shop in and if I take the industry route, I'm going to get jaded. I'm gonna get real upset. I'm gonna get probably, you know what I'm saying? Having connections in the industry is not bad. And there are also very good people in the music industry, but I feel like I'm gonna get, I don't wanna take the focus off how good this shit is, but I'm not gonna let this go. I'm gonna ride this shit out for the, probably the next year. So it's to me, each song can have its own world. And I have enough to make videos for every single one of them and release, I can really release every single one as a single if I wanted to. So. Um, I can do whatever I want with this shit, and that's it's fun to me. Now it's fun, so yeah. Good for you. Nah, I love to hear that. I just like, you know, like on that note, I've spent so much time um, thinking about your career since you've kind of like laid the story out for me, and you know, like you know, like since you started out, like at the damn near the beginning of the blog era up until now i don't even know what to call this era that we're in right now but like it's but you know like the blog era as we knew it has been dead for a while but like you know like you've kind of you've been you've really been at this for a decade you know like and first verified artists they're first yeah like right 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 there like no say it again say it again (laughs) Oh, no, no, I was, I was, I was, I got excited there. I'm sorry for cutting you off, but I was, I was one of Genius's first verified artists. Like I was talking to like, I, I, the, the, the people who created Genius was emailing me and I was speaking with them. You know what I'm saying? Like they wanted me on the platform and it's just crazy. It's just crazy. Like I'm really from that time, like that shit, like, you know, and I didn't have to like force that on me. They they genuinely fucked with me. So right. Yeah. I wish I had the blog still, you know, but but yeah. I but, but yeah, I bring that up just because I'm curious since you've been here since you know, you've been doing this for a decade, like like in this uh in this like nebulous kind of like wild west type of environment that we're in right now, 
like with like coverage and publications and people on TikTok and just like there's so many different ways to present yourself you know it's it's like overwhelming od but like but like what would you say is the biggest difference between being an artist in the blog era and being some like yeah you, you like the um the biggest difference between being an artist in the blog era and being an artist like right now you know like what's yeah the biggest difference is and this is why i fuck with you so hard is writers when you when writers are such an integral part of breaking artists and i don't i don't know if you guys know that but you guys are like to me fuck the labels like writers people who love music and have a platform and that have access to share shit with certain people um I don't take that shit for granted. I don't take that shit lightly because without any of the people who wrote anything, articles about me, I like nobody would know who the fuck Lucille Gotti is, in my opinion. Um, I miss that tremendously. Like I miss that. And I have so much respect for you guys because of that. I have so much respect for like, like I said, like for me, um, having a, a writer um, and I don't even know if you call yourself like, if that's like the correct term, but um, having a writer that really fucks with you off the strength of them fucking with you and you didn't have to be sent like forced or it wasn't like, you know, nobody, you know, it wasn't something like a label was like, hey, cover this person or nothing. It was something genuine. That's what I fucking miss the most of having that genuine connection where somebody was enthusiastic about, you know, the shit that you were putting out and they just like, you know, it helped not only did it help you, but it helped them. It helped them, you know, expand their catalog of, you know, of their their work and who they wrote and stuff like that. And um, I would say today that is the difference because a lot of people just jump onto what's hot and there is no like, you know, it's like, okay, this has a bunch of viral views. This has a bunch of viral views and shit like that. And there's nothing wrong with that because I like both sides of it. but. I would say the biggest difference is having the the writers being the stars, the forefront of, you know what I'm saying? Um, telling people what's hot, you know, like back then it's like, I could be on pigeons and planes and people would be like, okay, you cool. Like, you know what I'm saying? Or X, Y, and Z. I remember John Kermanica wrote about me uh, and that was big for me. And, you know, because of who, who he's written for or who he's covered and stuff. And, um, it's just like, it just expands you to a whole nother world, a whole nother set of, you know, eyes and ears. And I, I miss that because it keeps your longevity and it keeps your story alive. And then now I just feel like you can get away with not even having the story. You can get away with a lot of things. And sometimes people don't want to hear that the attention span is really short, but I'm not opposed to TikTok at all. Um, I think TikTok is kind of overkill on a lot of other things like social issues and um you know people's personal lives and stuff like that but when it comes to the music I definitely don't think there's anything wrong with it at all and I do think that it is a powerful platform but I just don't like the fact that it kind of takes you know the exposure out of the writer's hands and it puts it on just like a platform that you know what I'm saying I I I would like to see maybe more writers and stuff like take advantage of like there's putting their 
making their their stuff go viral on there and kind of like breaking artists that way because I do feel like the blog area had a lot of power in breaking a lot of artists and I'm mm-hmm. one of them they had a lot of power in breaking a lot of artists and it was very very important and powerful I remember everybody used to ask me how did you get on those like how did you do that? And I used to be like, I don't know. People just, you know, I just reached out to people and asked if they liked it or not. You know what I'm saying? And I just did. I just wanted to, you know, see if they did. And if they did, they did. And if they didn't, they didn't. But I think today, like you said, it is, it's overkill. It is, um, it's overkill as far as like, sometimes when a song goes viral, I don't know if this happens to you, but do you get sick of it really quickly? I get sick of it from seeing it on every single video, hearing it 24 seconds. Depends on the song. Yeah. You yeah. can get. T- and not. Yeah. And not even get- just like. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Not even. Not. not yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like it's it's not even like overkill for me. Most of the time, it's more just like it's just like overwhelming in the sense of like, like there's, you know, like as opposed to like in the blog era it was you know like there I, I you know like you know like obviously like twitter and like myspace was kind of dying out and like instagram was just starting to become a thing like there's just like 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 there's just more avenues than ever before you know like there's twitter there's instagram there's snapchat there's tiktok there's you, you know like whatever sites are left you know like shout out to all the wonderful sites that employ me because I love y'all, but you know, like, I just mean like, you know, I I just feel like the, you know, like the function has kind of changed in some ways. And there's just like more, there's just more ways to get at it than ever before. And that in and of itself is just extremely overwhelming and kind of scary. It's just a lot, you know, it's just a lot to dig through and, but to get to the overkill comment, like, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's been some songs that I've started to get sick of sooner than I'd expect to because i'm like all right like another one another one all right like another one like it's it's it's, it's, it's... (laughs) six videos of this song and it's like okay i really like the song but now i didn't hear it like fifty thousand times i don't even like it anymore Mm. and then another thing that also happens with that is just like not only have i i i heard it so much but like back in the day when radio songs were hits like you would hear them like you know, once or twice in the hour. You didn't hear them like every five seconds. So the longevity of those records lasted way longer. And I feel like the longevity of records nowadays is getting condensed. I, you see, I'm old. I'm saying records. Uh, they're getting mm. like, they're going out faster than, you know what I'm saying? I feel like um, they're, the longevity is just, it's not there how it used to be. But my right. main thing is the authenticity, like, is certain articles that people have written about me and I can tell that they were extremely excited like to share this and so their choice of words and the way they described it and all of that shit like that is what draws people into checking you out you know what I'm saying some people right. back in the day used to say they I reminded them of young police and because you like police you'll go check it out or you'll be like yeah I'm like you know what I'm saying but that authenticity right. um that on- authenticity is gone and and I don't think we'll ever get that back, to be honest with you. And there's, like you, there are people who keep it alive. And that's why I'm like, you guys are extremely important. Because if you guys don't do it, it won't exist anymore, practically. Like, it won't, it, it's going to be hard to exist anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. there are people who depend on reading your work, for real, to get new music, to discover new artists. There are people who really fuck with your mind and your taste in music, who specifically read your work to... You know what I'm saying? The same, the same reason to, to, to come on. You know what I'm saying? So I, um, 
I feel like that's really the biggest di- difference because on TikTok too, or not even just TikTok on certain platforms, um, certain people don't even give a fuck about the songs and they'll just put um, post it on their video of them cooking because a million other people have posted it and it'll give them some type of exposure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's crazy to me. Yeah, it's it's a it's a you know it's it's a wild time out here. I I I I just think it's really tight. There are plenty of people I follow on TikTok who do great things um, with music, and they have like really good taste, and they're genuinely excited and ready to just like put on for the good shit. Um, it's really it's actually kind of really gratifying to see that kind of mutate and expand into a place like TikTok as opposed to just in writing. You know, yeah. like everyone experiences this shit differently, and like we don't yeah. all do the same thing. But you know, like we're you, you know, like we're all like this is a. I like to I like to, I like to think of the uh, I like to think of the press artist relationship as something that's mutually beneficial. You know, like that's basically what it is. You know, like we're, you know, like you get covered because you have some sort of either you have some sort of buzz or you or you really really like this or both. And you know, like everyone, you know, like like in a perfect situation everyone benefits from that you know like you, you know you, you know like sales and or streams go up clicks on the right. page go up you know everyone's right. yeah. happy that's the, that's the that's the that's the cornerstone of this whole shit <laughs> it has been for you know like a hundred years damn near but um yeah. you know I'm, I'm yeah. yeah i was just saying i agree i agree that's all i was saying <laughs> yeah no nah, i just um i'm just yeah like at the end of the day, I'm just a person. Like we're all just people, and we just, you know, we're we're as, uh, you know, like we're as uh, enamored with this music shit as you are. And I'm just, you know, like I can only speak for me, but like I'm 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 just grateful. I'm just grateful to be in a position where anybody would care about anything I have to say, and you know, like the fact that people whose music I like so much like appreciate that and like want to talk to me about that I, I don't know that, that that's just cool as fuck to me I'm, I'm just a person like this isn't this is this, like you said this isn't about me you yeah. know like you, you, you know like I'm happy to be here and I enjoy yeah. my job but like this it, it, this isn't about me you know yeah. like this is about this is about helping somebody discover something they might not like or about um giving context to something that um there isn't like just like properly contextualizing shit and like being brave enough to critique something that everybody might like if you think there's something wrong with it it's 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 a lot of things i just uh you yeah. know i'm just a person and i'm just happy to be here that also mm-hmm. keeps me like us as artists aware of like things we can do to be better as artists too so you having certain critiques on certain things like I feel like there's a way to do it um, to where the artist doesn't get offended. Um, and I feel like you you guys do a really good job of that. Um, but it also helps us stay on our toes as well. And it also help, helps us like never get complacent when people really like your shit. That's just why I feel. Never get complacent thinking like you've got it all in the bag just because it's getting this. Like, no, there's always something that you can improve on, do better on, create differently and stuff. So like I said for me um with writers the love that I have for what you guys do like stretches beyond I feel like just it being like you know I'm saying a music and a journalist relate journalism yeah there we go the music and a journalist relation artist and journalist relationship it just goes to like I can like kind of historically say that like 
these articles have been written about me and certain things like that. And that's very, very important to a legacy of an artist, extremely important to a legacy of an artist. Um, even in today's world with TikToks and stuff like that too. And maybe I need to tap in with more people on those platforms so I can see, like get exposed to more. And I definitely will. You just kind of like open my eyes to that. But like, for me, the blog era just never dies. It's just, it's the best one. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, yeah, it's yeah, history, yeah. It's literal history. I would not be Lucille Gotti without fucking blogs. Like fuck the music, fuck all the work. Cause you can do all of that shit and it would not matter unless you have a platform. Um, I'm not saying it wouldn't matter, but you get where I'm coming from. Like it wouldn't hit yeah, the yeah. masses without the work that you guys do. So like, like you just said, as an artist, it's still never about me. It's a whole system that works together cohesively for it to exist. And I definitely feel like this should never, ever be gone. I don't know. I, I It shouldn't replace any of it, but it, it should evolve, definitely. And I do feel like TikTok helps it evolve, for sure. And um, not mm -hmm. just TikTok, but social media helps it evolve, for sure, yeah. But you guys yeah. are, like, a very integral part of our careers, extremely. Just as much as the fans are, for real, like... I mean, just as much as, like, all of us are in this shit, for real. Yeah. Yeah, and no, um, just here to put on for good shit, you know? Right, and I feel the same way, too. Like, that's why I don't care about shopping this shit, because it's like, at the end of the day, I had to accept that. Like, I'm not a caricature of an artist. I'm an artist. So, so right. I'm just happy to be here. Shit, I'm happy I'm, I have the strength to put out music. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that, that's an achievement in and of itself. Right. And, you know, like to formally wrap this up, um, Lucille Gotti, if your life was a movie, what would it be about? My life would be about, it would kind of be like Roxanne Roxanne. It would just be about overcoming all kinds of shit. It would be a true. I hate to say it would be a true. What they say in church, the trials and tribulations, but no, my mom had to. <laughs> He has a saying that you have to go through the fire in order to come out gold and I think that's probably would be the title of it something like that um it would just be about I guess the magic of music the the magic of music overcoming circumstances in your life to be a creator and be an artist and um also just it would be also a dinky um fashion movie <laughs> it would be a lot of fashion in that bitch a lot of fashion in that bitch too for sure for sure um yeah it probably would be elvis's movie <laughs> it probably, it'd be exactly like that in my opinion except he was way more famous than i was and he got a lot yeah, more you'd have a lot more right You'd have yeah, a lot more rhinestones. You, yeah, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> might be circus. It might be the circus. It might be. It might be a circus. It'd be a circus exhibit. So, I don't know. That's a good. That's a good thing for me to think about. I don't think about that for sure. Um, please, everybody, go watch Elvis's movie. Please. Um, uh, there's a whole lot of biopics you should watch, and you should add that one to it. That's that's okay. my last. Note. Yeah. No. Nah, I'm. A, I'm. A, I'm. A, I'm a definitely do that. So I feel you. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Shout out to y'all for making it this far. And shout out to all the black people listening too, because y'all really impeccable. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and tell a friend to come through next time. 
one.